Welcome to the teaching ministry of Stephen Fraser and Life of Faith Bible Church. An outreach dedicated to helping you triumph in every area of life. Now here's Pastor Fraser with today's message. We started talking about faith, the subject of faith. And so we're continuing in that. Now in that subject of faith, we talked about for the last couple weeks, two or three weeks, about faith in the anointing. And we looked last time at Mark chapter 5 at the woman who had an issue of blood. We saw that the anointing is activated by faith. The anointing is activated by faith. doesn't matter how strong and powerful the anointing is. It takes faith to activate it if it's going to work for you. You can have a powerful anointing and manifestation, but if you don't exercise your faith to lay hold of the power of that anointing for whatever it is you have need of, then you go without it. And again, just like John G. Lake said, he said that electricity is God's power in the natural realm, but the Holy Spirit is God's power in the spiritual realm. In the spiritual realm. So a lot of natural things are patterned after spiritual things. So the anointing flows a lot like, works a lot like electricity. And so, you know, we have lots of electricity, you know, here in this building. But how many people know if nobody comes in here and turns on the lights, if someone doesn't come in and hit the switch or walk over to the thermostat and hit that switch? How many people glad we hit the thermostat switch today? Are you glad about that? It was a little cold in here a little earlier today. It was like a freezer, actually. Or at least a refrigerator. But we hit that switch, and voila, look what the power produced. It produced heating. And now we're all able to sit here nice and comfortable. But that was electricity that was activated through someone going over to the thermostat and turning it on. See, So it's the same thing. You can have all this power of God in a place, but if you don't turn on the switch of faith... If you keep your switch off in unbelief, then you'll not be a partaker of that power of God. You'll go without, the, without experiencing the benefits of that power. And we want to get all we can get out of that power of God. It's here for us. How people know electricity was here for a very long time <clears throat> before somebody finally learned to tap into it? Think about it. Thousands of years, people lived without electricity. And it wasn't very long ago that somebody figured it out and tapped into it. Well, I just believe if it's there, you know, then we'll know it. Well, there's a lot of things here that we probably still don't know. But there's a perfect example of how God created electricity, yet men neglected it all this time. For thousands of years, men neglected it. Never, never took advantage. It was here, but they never took advantage of it. They didn't know how to tap into it. Same exact thing with the power of God. Same exact thing when we're talking about the anointing of the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of folks that have never tapped into it. And if you go through your whole life ignorant of it and go without it, that's not God's fault. It's because we didn't learn. It's all right in the manual. Praise God. Teaches us exactly how it works. Praise God. So we saw that it's activated by faith. And the anointing we saw also is tangible. 
It's perceivable to the touch. The anointing is transferable or transmittable. Capable of being transmitted. So even though it is a spiritual power, it manifests in the natural realm. It manifests in the physical realm where it can be perceivable to the touch. It's something you can actually feel. It manifests when you activate it through faith. The anointing can be absorbed and stored in certain materials like cloth. And then we saw that the anointing also is measurable. And then we saw that this woman that came to Jesus, she received of that anointing, the benefits of that anointing, through her faith. And we saw that there are certain principles to faith working for somebody. And we see it in this example just perfectly. It says, number one, she heard about Jesus. Well, we know Romans chapter 10, verse 17 tells us that faith comes by comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So it comes, number one, by hearing. So faith, faith gets its beginning in someone's life through their hearing. So this woman, number one, she heard. Then number two, she said what she believed. Quite honest, obviously, she heard. Faith came. She believed what she heard. Because then she started saying it. She started speaking it, the Bible says. She said, she said, she declared her faith. The Bible says over in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13, among other places, it says that we having the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believed and therefore I have spoken. We believe and therefore we speak. We believe and therefore we what? So that's another principle of faith, how faith works. You believe what you hear, and then you speak it. And a lot of times, folks, they'll go to God, and they'll pray in faith, but then they'll go through their day and say everything contrary to what they did pray. So they pray one way, but then they speak another way throughout the rest of the day. See? See, we we don't want to just get into faith when we pray. We want to walk by faith. We want to live by faith. We want to continue in faith. Otherwise, we end up short-circuiting our faith. Right? We blow a breaker. That's what some people do sometimes. I mean, they get the thing going. Praise God, it turns on a little while later. You go over to, man, the thing turned off. I turned this little heater on, and it was working. And now it's, and, and, and the switch is on, but it's not working. You blew a breaker. And you got to go over and you got to fix the breaker. How many people don't tell them that? You got to go over there, you got to fix the breaker. You fix the breaker. And uh, got the thing running again. I mean, you're in prayer, you're in faith, you're praying. Praise God. Then you go out into your day and you begin to say something that's completely contrary to what you just did pray. And guess what happens? You blow the breaker again. There's a short somewhere. You're shorting out the power of God. You're shorting out the power of God or you're shorting out your faith. Because you're not continuing to believe and speak what you believe. Now you're speaking what you see. You're speaking how you feel 
I just feel terrible. I feel miserable. You know, I just can't believe this. How long is this going to take? These are not faith words. So you come over here, you pray, Lord, thank you, let's say, for healing me. Thank you for delivering me. Thank you for setting me free of this. Oh, praise God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And then you go out, and then throughout the day, it's like you're whining, you're complaining, and short-circuiting your faith. And I know it's tough, you know, if you're you're dealing with symptoms in your body, and the devil's harassing you like crazy, because, you know, he's, he's a harasser, and he takes advantage of... You know, circumstances like that. And so he'll just come and keep harassed, speak doubt and unbelief into your head. But we got to be so rooted in the word of God that we don't fall for his devices. And we continue to speak the word of God. Even in the face of pain, in the face of whatever we're dealing with. We just go, oh, thank you, Lord, for healing me. Oh, thank you, you set me free. Thank you for... I mean, which is easier to say... Oh, 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 this feels miserable. Or, oh, thank you for healing me. Which is easier to say? Well, the first one is easier to say for the flesh. But really, if you look at it, they're both just as easy to say. So why don't we just say the right thing? Why don't we just keep our faith going? Just keep our faith going. And just let any kind of symptom that comes along, any kind of thing that happens that is contrary to what we're believing, let it be an opportunity for us to rise up and speak what we believe, which is the Word of God. Let it just be an opportunity. Just whatever comes, an ouch comes, hallelujah. Right? Hallelujah. Something, something, something comes, a problem comes, and it reminds us of the promise. Let problems come to be a reminder of God's promise. Why don't you just make it that way? Just let it be like an alarm that goes off. It's time to shout. It's time to shout. It's time to praise God. It's time to speak that word. It's time to say what you believe. Just let it be like an alarm that goes off and reminds you to speak the word of God. And that's why it's called a fight. Fight the good fight of faith. Because sometimes it's, it's not easy on the flesh. You've got to persevere. You've got to press through. It's a fight. But we always triumph and we always win this fight. That's why it's the good fight. It's the good fight. It's a good fight. Because it always ends up good for us. If we don't grow weary and well-doing, we shall reap if we don't lose heart. We, we, we will reap what God has promised us if we don't lose heart. Can you say amen? Amen. So she heard, she said what she believed, and then she acted on what she believed. She went and did something. She came to where Jesus was. She came, she made contact with him. She did what she was believing. That if she did, she would receive healing. She didn't just sit there and say, well, you know, I've got this issue of blood and it's not lawful for me, according to Jewish law, for me to go out you know, I'm not supposed to go out. I'm not supposed to be around crowds. I've got to wear a mask. And I, you know, I'm not allowed to go out. I'm not allowed to go near anybody. I can't, you know, can't get around crowds and things like that. It was illegal for her to do that. But she was so convinced that if she did get to Jesus, touch the hem of his garment, she would be healed. She was so convinced she didn't let anything stop her. 
she didn't let anything stop her. She pressed through the crowd, and she got exactly what she believed. But you see, how many people would do that? See, some folks would get the first part, the second part. They're believing, they're saying, but they're staying put. They're staying put, and they're waiting for God to come by and touch them. They're waiting for God to come by and do something. This woman wasn't waiting for God to touch her. She was going to go touch God. She reached out and touched him. And sometimes we've got to do something. And it, you know, varies from what, you know, whatever it is you're believing. But you, that's where prayer comes in and we find out, you know, how the Spirit of God will lead us. What do I need to do? Not just, God, I just thank you, I received this and that's it. It's, what do you, now what do you want me to do? Is there something else I need to do here? Where do I need to go? What do I need to do? And, uh, but a lot of folks, they don't get past that third hurdle. They just stay put, and they wait, and they wait, and years and years go by, and they never do anything. Number four, she received. Hallelujah. She acted upon what she believed, and she received. In other words, she yielded to the Holy Spirit. She yielded to that power of God. She allowed the power of God to flow into her life, and you have to yield to the power of God for it to flow into your life. Got to yield to it. You know, I remember years back, uh, there was someone and he was, you know, he was homeless. Lived on the streets. And I, I can't remember how, you know, somebody had reached out to him, brought him to church. He gave his life to Jesus, you know, got saved. And then I started talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit, you know. And I, and I told him now, you know, I'm going to lay hands on you. I've built up his faith about receiving, and he believed it. I said, so I'm going to lay my hands on you. You're going to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and you're going to start speaking in tongues. He says, all right. So I laid my hands on him, and he stood there. And as I laid hands on him, I could feel that tangible anointing flowing out of my hands. I mean, my hands had heated up, and I could just feel the, the presence of God, the joy of the Lord, you know. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord is, is an anointing. It's the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Man, I felt that joy flowing out of me. Ha, ha, ha. I got my hands on him, feel the tangible anointing of God. He's just standing there. I mean, just, just standing like that. I mean, I mean I'm like, hey, he's got to be feeling this, you know. So after a little while, I said to him, I said, are you feeling anything? He said, don't. I said, uh, I said, do you, do, you, do you feel like laughing or anything? <laughs> because, you know, speaking in tongues and laughing, laughing are very similar. They both come out of your belly. Yeah, yeah. You know, you don't laugh out of your head. You, you, laugh, you don't laugh out of your chest. You laugh out of your belly. You know, it comes out of the same place. So I said, I said do you feel like laughing or anything like this? Said, I'm doing everything I can to hold it back. <laughs> I said, what are you holding it back for? He said, well, you're praying for me. He said, doesn't seem right for me to just start laughing at you while you're praying. <laughs> He's trying to be reverent, you know. I said, no, no, no. I said, that's the Holy Spirit. I said, turn it loose. I said, go ahead. He went, ah, ha, ha, ha. Boom, he fell on the ground. Got full of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> you see, some people are just hanging on, you know. Hanging on. And sometimes you just got to let go. Let go and let God, Right? Just yield to the Holy Spirit. Let him flow through you. And then something we did not say that this woman did, which is a very much a part of faith, is that she testified concerning what had happened to her. 
She told Jesus and those that were all around the whole truth, the Bible says. Her whole testimony. She shared her testimony. This is a big mistake people make is that they just keep it to themselves. God does something great in their life and then they just hold it in to themselves. That's not yielding to the Holy Spirit. Being thankful is yielding to the Holy Spirit. Giving him thanks, giving him praise, acknowledging what he's done for you, sharing it with other people. That keeps your faith alive. That keeps it going so that you keep your healing because you can lose whatever it is you've received by faith from God. You can lose it. You can have it and then you can lose it. And the way to keep it is to testify of it and share it with others. Tell others about it. Amen. And that's why Jesus turned to this woman and he said, daughter, your faith has, your faith has made you whole, has made you whole. See? And that's what makes you whole. That's not just a healing. That's making you whole, spirit, soul, and body. It affects your whole being when you can get out there and testify. So she heard, she said, she acted, she received, she testified. Can you say amen? Praise God. So thank God for the anointing. Because that's what she heard about. She heard about the anointed one. She heard about Jesus and his anointing. She believed in that anointing. If she knew if she could make contact with him, then that anointing would be transmitted out of him into her. She believed that. She knew that. And so she went to receive that. But what happens when there is no anointing present for you to be able to be healed? You want to be healed. You want to be delivered. You need God to move on your behalf, but there's no anointing present. What do you do then? What happens then? Well, thank God the Word of God is ever-present. Thy Word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Right? So if we get the word of God in our heart, then that could be with us everywhere all the time. And in other words, instead of putting faith in the anointing, you could put your faith in the word of God. Now we need to have both. We need to have faith in the anointing and we need to have faith in the word of God. Actually, the anointing can make receiving by faith in the word of God easier. So we have faith in the word, but we also have faith in the anointing. Well, that can bring extra support and help to you being able to receive from the Lord whatever it is you're looking to receive from him. So in other words, the word has the promises, but how many know the word also is power? God's word is power. And then the anointing is the power of God. So you have the power of the word of God and you have the power of the anointing of God. Now the word of God is sufficient enough to take care of whatever you have need of in life. If you need healing, the Bible says he sent his word and healed them and delivered them. God's word heals. God's word delivers. Well, thank God the anointing destroys yokes and it removes burdens of sickness and disease and all kinds of demonic oppression. So you got the word of God's power, and then you've got the anointing power of the Holy Spirit. And, and so you come to, let's say, a church service or some kind of meeting where the anointing of God is present, where there's an anointing. This is why it's so important to come to church, because there's always an anointing present at church in a church that believes in the anointing. 
And so there's always an anointing present. I mean, the minister shouldn't even be ministering without the anointing. We talked about that. So if he's ministering, then there's an anointing present. So there's an anointing here in this atmosphere tonight. Now, you have faith in God's word. But let's say it takes a ratio of 100% in order to be able to receive from God. Let's say you only have 50% faith. Because remember, faith and the anointing are both measurable. We saw that in the word of God. Faith and the anointing is measurable. So let's say you only have 50% faith, but you need 100% in order to receive your healing. But you're only at 50%. You believe, you believe, but it's only 50% faith. I know Jesus met different people and he said, you know, where is your faith at one time? He said, oh ye of little, little faith, little faith. He said to someone else, I haven't seen such great faith in all of Israel. So you could have little faith and you could have great faith. How do people know that's two different levels of faith? It's faith, but it's two different levels of faith. See, So obviously the great faith we could say is 100% faith. He's got 100% faith. But then, let's say somebody's over here, they got 50% faith. But they come to church, and the anointing is manifesting. And the anointing is manifesting at about 50%. Now, we want to, we want to get the anointing to 100%, right? We want, to, we want to see the fullness of the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the fullness of the gifts in operation, right? Fullness of the manifestations of the Holy Spirit in operation. That's what we want. Now, there's an anointing here, but are we at 100%? Probably not. What, where are we at? I'm not sure right now. But let's just say we're at 50%, and somebody comes in here, and they got 50% faith concerning healing, and there's a 50% anointing healing, uh, 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 a healing anointing in this place. So there's a 50% healing anointing, and you come with 50% faith, and guess what happens? Those two collide together. It equals 100%. Makes 100%, and bam, you walk out of here healed. You see that? So that's why it's so important to get around, have faith in the anointing, and get around that anointing. That's what's so wonderful about church, because you're probably not running at 100% faith all the time. But you can come into the house of God, get your faith built up in both the Word of God and the anointing of God, and then that anointing of God can help you where you're lacking in your faith can help take you the rest of the way. That's why we want to see the anointing increase. How does it increase? Through our faith. Through our faith in that anointing. We come, we're expecting. We should be like this woman. If I can just get to church tonight. How many people even said anything, you know, about coming to church tonight? How many people just did it mechanically? Which is good. I mean, it's good to have good habits and have things just mechanically in place, but it's also good to make sure that you're doing it in faith. Right? Because you can just do things mechanically, legalistically, and leave your faith behind. So that would be a good thing to do is saying, man, there's an anointing in the house of God. Praise God. Lord, thank you for the anointing on my life. Thank you for the anointing on those believers that I'm going to get around tonight. And thank you for that anointing on the pastor tonight. Oh, hallelujah. Lord, I, I, I'm excited. There's a great anointing in the house of God tonight. <laughs> Praise God. And Lord, concerning these promises that I'm believing, you know, the word of God over here, I just thank you, Father God, that I receive that and I believe I'm going to see the fullness of that thing come to pass in my life. Woo, in Jesus' name, tonight's my night. Yes. 
You think that might change some things around here? Huh? If one or two or three or several people came to church like that? Yeah, it would. It would. And again, it takes effort. It takes effort to be spiritual. Because you know why? Your flesh isn't. Your flesh isn't spiritual. It isn't. It never will be. It's flesh. Your mind, your, your body is flesh. So it takes effort. Your spirit has to rise up and has to take control of your jawbone. And your jawbone is just disinterested. You know? Your jawbone has no interest in speaking spiritual things. It likes to say what it feels. It likes to say, did you see that driver go by? Did you see? Did you? It likes to say what it sees and feels and, and all those kinds of things. That's what it likes to say. And then you've got to say, no, we're not going to say that. We're going to hold up and we're going to say some other things. And so you start saying things that stir up your faith, that strengthen your spirit. Praise God forever. That releases your faith. So when you walk in this place, something's just drawn towards you. And it's God. It's the power of God. It's the life of God. Hallelujah. Just draws on that anointing. So that, that's, that's a great way to come to church. That's a great way to be at church. That's why we like amens. We like praise God. I don't need you to say amen really to, to humor me. Go ahead. You just, I don't need you to humor me. You could sit there and just... It's okay. I really enjoy this. I mean, I enjoy, I enjoy talking about the anointing. No matter how dry it gets, it doesn't matter. I, I, I'll, talk as, I'll talk like I, I got sand in my mouth. But I'll do it if it's about the anointing. It's about the Word of God. I'll, I'll do it. Feels like I'm walking through sludge or two feet of snow or something with big boots on, you know. Just walking, walking this thing out by faith. Praise God. Even if it's just my faith, we'll just, we'll just keep doing it. We'll just keep doing it. Hallelujah. I'm gonna, ha- I'm gonna get blessed. But you might as well get in on it. And one of the ways you get in on it is, amen. amen. Hallelujah. A little joy of the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. A couple of smiles here and there. Some head nods. Yes and amen. A little light in the eyes so we know that the light is on. And you are, in fact, at home. And it isn't just a shell that's sitting there. Right? Hallelujah. Praise God. I mean, if you came out in the sleet and the snow and the ice and the rain, praise God, you might as well get something. Might as well get excited. Might as well get excited about it. Can you say amen? Praise God forever. Now, as we said, the anointing may not always be present. May not always be present where you are. But the Word of God can be present everywhere all the time. So it's very important that we build our faith on number one, the Word of God. We have faith in the anointing, but we, number one is the Word of God. Because the Word of God is always everywhere, all the time. If you have it with you in your heart, if you believe it. So therefore, you can exercise faith in the Word anywhere, anytime, all the time. You don't have to wait to go to church. You don't have to wait to go to that special meeting. You don't have to wait to get under that, that anointing, right? But we don't belittle the anointing. We thank God for that. But at the same time, we've got to be able to get to the place where we've got to know how to just use 100% faith. Because there's going to be times where it's just you. And there's no anointing. There's no manifest anointing. No, no, no tangible anointing present. 
So for an example of this, over, let's go to John, the fourth chapter. And this is, this is, we see it here in this story, how it's God's desire to move us into that greater faith, that faith in the word of God. Faith in the word of God. In other words, taking God at his word. Taking God at his word. Even though there's no, no manifestation, there's no presence of God, no anointing. Do you know, I was just telling, talking to someone about this the other day. Do you know that God will withdraw himself to test you? In other words, he'll withdraw his presence. And sometimes it could feel like God's a million miles away. It could feel like God is nowhere to be found. And, but he's right there, but he withdraws his manifested presence in order to test our faith, to see where our believing is at. What do we do when his presence moves away, when that grace of God moves away? Do we just become fleshy? Do we just become carnal? Because again, the greater the anointing, the more the grace of God is in manifestation upon your life, then the easier it is to be spiritual. The less of an anointing, manifested presence of God, then the more challenging it could be to be spiritual. The more you're going to have to reach down and really draw out of your character. And so there'll be times where you know, you'll feel like you're on top of the world, man. You know, I think of Elijah. That anointing came on him. He had a word of wisdom in operation, special faith in operation, the working of miracles. I mean, he had the manifestations of God in operation on him when he called that fire out of heaven. I mean, he's bold as a lion, felt indestructible, called fire down out of heaven, praise God. And then after that happened, God had fulfilled his purpose for that moment through that anointing, and then it lifted. And it was just Elijah. And man, did he fall apart. The queen threatened his life. I mean, he's just standing there in the presence of the, he's bossing the king around. He's bossing all the leaders of Israel around. He's bossing all the false prophets around. He's standing there as the leader of the nation because that anointing's on him, making him as bold as a lion. Man, he feels like God's standing there. But then after that anointing accomplished its purpose, it lifted. It left him. And then it was just him. The queen says, I'm going to kill you. And he goes, ah, and he runs. He goes running for his life. He's running for his life. And then he gets out and he gets so discouraged. He just wants to quit the ministry. And now he's in such pride. He's like, there's nobody left but me. I'm the only God-fearing person around. I mean, everybody else is forsaking you, Lord. I'm the only holy man of God. And God comes and visits him and said, actually, I've got over 3,000 in Israel that I've reserved for myself that haven't bowed their knee to Baal, you know, trying to help put him in his place. But he's all, he's all in pride. He's just, he's just falling apart. See, it was, it was hard for him to transition. Here he's functioned under that anointing. That anointing lifted, and it just left him feeling completely naked and vulnerable and fleshy. And he just fell apart. We don't want to fall apart. I said, we don't want to fall apart. We want to, at those times, when that anointing lifts, to live and walk by faith. To say, that's all right. Yeah, the anointing's gone. I don't feel insecure. 
right? Even Moses felt insecure when that glory of God lifted off his life. He put a veil over his face. As the glory would lift him, he put a veil over his face. He kind of was embarrassed, you know, because he felt so glorious with that glory on him, but that when that glory began to lift off his life, he covered his face because it was like an embarrassment to him not having that glory on his life. So he'd cover his face because he was so used to being clothed with that glory. Because that's what we were, we were created to be clothed in the glory of God, you know. But now, but now he's kind of like insecure. But you and I don't want to walk in insecurity. We want to live and walk by faith. Knowing that by faith in the word of God, we are everything he says we are. We are the righteousness of God. God is, he's, God is with me as much right now as he ever will be. He's with me. Whether I feel him or not, I could feel him, praise God. But if that feeling lifts, if that anointing goes, I believe. I believe the word that he's with me. He's in me. He's on me. He's all around me. God has not forsaken me. He has not left me. He said, he said, he said, and I believe his word. I will never leave you or forsake you. Yeah, but it feels like you're not here. I don't matter. You said you're here. I believe you. I believe you. How do I know he's really forgiven me? He said he'd forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Well, I just don't feel any better about myself. Well, no matter what. He, he said, you confess, he forgives. You're going to have these feelings in the world. But are you what you feel? Or are you what God says you are? I am what the word of God says I am. Hallelujah. Praise God. And I'm a forgiver. Because I'm a lover. Because the love of God's been poured out into my heart by the Holy Spirit. And I love people. And I forgive people. That's just who I am. That's who I am. Regardless of how I feel. But so many people, they're so moved by how they feel. We don't want to be that way. We want to know that we are everything the Word of God says we are. Okay, John chapter 4. We'll pick it up here in verse 46. It says, so Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee where he had made the water wine. So he did this incredible sign and wonder. And there was a certain nobleman. My margin says royal official. A royal official. He might have worked for the government. Maybe worked for Herod. Was in some kind of government agency. He was a government agent. And uh, it says this royal official... Son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So notice this nobleman, this man, believed that if Jesus would come down to where his son was, that his son would be healed. He knew that Jesus could heal his son. He had faith that Jesus could heal his son. And so he wanted the Lord to come down. Now, it was about a 15-mile journey from Capernaum, where the nobleman lived, to Cana, where Jesus was at this time. And so basically, that's, you know, back then, they didn't just jump in cars and things. 50 miles is a long distance. It's like a day's journey. It's a good day's journey. Walking. And so, he's wanting Jesus to walk with him 15 miles. He's wanting Jesus to go on this long journey. To come down there and heal his son. And the Bible says, he implored him. 
He implored him. When he heard, verse 47, when he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea and Galilee, he went to him and implored him. So you know, the man is uh, very emotional here. This is a, a very emotional appeal to Jesus to come and heal his son. You know, sometimes our emotions can really get in the way of our faith. Because faith is of the heart. It's in our spirit. It comes out of our spirit. It'll work through our emotions. But many times the emotions can get in the way of our faith. And that's why sometimes uh, some of the toughest people to help, sometimes, some of the toughest people to help are the people that we're so emotionally attached to. You know, our souls are so emotionally attached to because many times those, uh, that's, that, that attachment to that person causes our love and our human love, our human compassion to rise up and get in the way of God's love, God's compassion, and thus God's power. And so many times it's, some, it's difficult to help some of the people that are the closest to us. And I believe, really, we see that with Jesus, with, with the raising of Lazarus from the dead. You know, they came to him and said, Lord, the one whom you love is sick. Notice that the one whom you love. This wasn't, this wasn't that God love. This was human love. This was that human love. You got that human. There was a human side to Jesus. And the Bible said, when Jesus heard that, he remained where he was a few more days. He remained where he was. Now, he didn't respond because he didn't want to respond out of emotion, and he didn't want to respond out of manipulation. He didn't want to be manipulated by his emotions and the emotional plea of these people that were coming, saying, this is your friend. Of course you're going to, of course you're going to do this for your friend. Of course. Like, you have to do this. Like, in other words, it's not a love thing anymore. It's a legalistic thing. People will put that on you. You have to do this. You have to do this. And they get you over into legalism. That'll short circuit the power of God. Power of God won't work through that. It won't flow through that. Faith will be short circuited. It won't work through that. I remember the devil tried to pull that on me years back. You know, there was this lady in our church, and her daughter was not coming to church. She was living very rebellious. And in fact, it was a week before this girl got into an accident, she did come to a church service. And that was God knowing what was coming. She came with her friend. They came, well, week later they got into a, a, a car wreck the one girl was killed instantly and then the lady that went, came to our church their daughter uh, she was in critical condition they didn't expect her to live and so we went up to the hospital there she was she had tubes and wires and I mean she's on life support and I mean it it looks really really bad and the doctors really don't expect her to live it's a very very bad report but you know we got in faith about it and we really really I really had it in my heart she's gonna live she's coming out of this you know, we, we had laid hold of the promise of God, and we believed God, and the mother was in faith with me, and we agreed together, and we, we, we got this. So I was going up there every day. You know, I'd go up there, and I'd visit with the family, with her and her ex-husband, and, you know, minister to them and encourage them and, you know, pray over the girl and, and so forth. And, uh, and so I was doing that every day. So one day, the mother was going on and on, complaining about the ex-husband, how he's He's too busy for his daughter, and he's doing, he's doing, and these people aren't coming up and visiting, and she's like, she's just going off on all the people that aren't coming up to the hospital and, and acting like they don't care and, and things like that. You know, she's just judging people pretty harshly, you know, and she said, but, you know, look at you. You come up every day, and so anyway, that was the end of that conversation. I got in the car after hearing all that, and this thought comes, I have to come up here tomorrow. 
And in hearing those thoughts, I'm seeing her face. You have to come up here tomorrow. I recognized it immediately. I knew exactly what it was. I said out loud, no, devil, I don't have to come up here tomorrow. I don't have to do this for anybody. I want to do it. I will be here tomorrow because I want to be here tomorrow. But you see, he wanted to get me to slip out of love and over into legalism. He wanted me to be manipulated by the flesh so that it would short-circuit my faith. Well, anyway, she made a full recovery. And she actually had a visitation with Jesus, praise God. As she, was, as she was in a coma, Jesus came. Right before she came out of the coma, Jesus appeared to her, and she was into basketball pretty heavily. And, and the Lord appeared to her and said, now you're going to be playing on my team. Praise God. Hallelujah. But you see how clever the devil is? How, shit, how, how sly he is? You got to be aware of those kind of things. Always check your motives. Why am I doing what I'm doing? We don't want to do it because we're being manipulated by anybody. We want to do it because of faith working by love. Faith working by love. That's why we do what we do. So he's imploring Jesus, come down, come down, heal my son. Jesus said to him, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. Notice Jesus' response here. In other words, Jesus is basically saying, number one, that him coming down there, laying hands on his child, would be equivalent to a sign and a wonder. Well, praise God, I've done many signs and wonders. Because I've come down and I've laid my hands on lots of people. I've come and helped people through the laying on of hands, my coming to their house, going to them in the hospital, and God has healed them, God has raised them up. So those are, that's considered a sign and a wonder. The man's saying, come down. And he's saying, unless I come down, or no, he didn't say that. He said, unless, I, unless you people see signs and wonders. So him coming down in person doing this would be considered a sign and a wonder. So I think that's important to know because a lot of times when we think of signs and wonders, we think of the water turning into wine. But that would be a sign and a wonder. That would be a sign and a wonder. Casting the devil out of somebody is working a miracle. Because Jesus said that in another place. I think it's over in Mark's gospel. You know, the disciples came to him and they said, Lord, they said, uh, there's someone else that's casting out demons in your name and he doesn't follow us. He doesn't, he does, he's not one of us, you know. He's not a part of the clique. And Jesus said, leave him alone. Uh, you know, he who works a miracle cannot shortly after say, Something against you or something like that. He who is for you is not against you. Jesus went on to say. But the point is, is that the casting out of the devil is a working of a miracle. So that's a miracle. Sometimes people wouldn't think that deliverance, getting someone free of a demon, is a miracle. But anyway, these are signs and wonders, and these are miracles. So, uh, so he's saying, come down. But Jesus says, unless you people see signs and wonders. Now remember, he's a royal official. Uh, he's an agent, possibly, of Herod. Herod, you remember back over there in Luke ch- chapter 23, verse 8, he was hoping to uh, see Jesus, that Jesus might perform some miracle for him. So Jesus is reading this man and recognizing, you know, like the Pharisees and the other leaders, show us a sign, show us a miracle, do something to show that you can do this. 
Show us something. Do something tangible. We want to see something. We want to see a sign. We want to see a wonder. We want to see you do something. So Jesus rec- recognizes that, that this man is of that mindset and doesn't go with that man. He wants to take the man to another place. He wants to get the man over into another level of faith. Thank God for signs and wonders. We need signs and wonders. They help us. Somebody gets healed. Other people go, oh, now I believe. You know, sometimes you have a, a line for healing or something, an impartation line or something like that, and you say, well, come on down here right now. The anointing is flowing, and God is moving, and so come down here. We'll lay hands on you, and God will do a wonderful thing in your life. And so people come, boom, you see people come running down. And then there's people that just kind of stand there until after you lay hands on the first person, and their wig falls off. They go flying backwards. <laughs> They're shaking on the ground. And here this one comes. And here this one comes. I'm going to get in that line. I'm going to get in that line. See, they couldn't just take your word for it. Now they see something. And now they're going to believe. I mean, I know a minister, you know, there was thousands of people. He was going to have a healing service. And so he told people that he just preached the word of God, had a message, told the people to come on down that needed healing. Boom, here they come, blah, 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 blah. And they said, okay, ushers, seal it off. Anybody that did not come down, They cannot get in this line because he understood. There were those that would just come down because they saw things happening. They saw people getting healed. They see things happen. Then they start trickling down, and then the line never ends. It just keeps keeps going right on until Jesus comes back. People just keep jumping in the line, you know. But they weren't in line. The line was fairly short. And, but then, you know, you see that. You see all these people come down the line and, and, in a big, you know, big congregation gathering like that. And, and then it, it, just keeps, it just keeps going and going. You think, wait a second, why is this line still going? Because people keep joining the party. But they're all responding to the flesh. And many times, just a response to the flesh like that, needing to see signs and wonders, is not really faith. It's just reacting in the flesh to things. So this man's halfway there. He's believing, but he's believing if Jesus would come down to his house and do this thing in front of him. And if Jesus would do this thing in front of him, then he would fully believe. So Jesus said, no, that's not the way we're going to do it. He says in verse 49, uh, verse uh, 48, then Jesus said to him, unless you people see signs and wonders, you'll by no means believe. Verse 49, the nobleman said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. It's like he didn't even hear what Jesus said. He's thinking, Lord, you, you, you know, this is the only way this is going to get done. You've got to come down. But how many people know, with God, there's no distance, there's no space with him. Verse 50, Jesus said to him, Go your way. This is Jesus' response to him. Go your way. Get out of here. No, no, not quite. You know, Jesus is very gracious. Go your way. Your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. He went his way. Praise God. Notice that. Jesus spoke the word, and he went his way. Notice he believed what Jesus said. So simple. Jesus said, your son lives, go. So Jesus, at that point, just took him 
to another level. And the man, the Bible says he didn't, he didn't press the issue. He didn't continue to beg, oh, Lord, Jesus, please, please come down. Jesus looked and said, He's, he lives. Your son lives. And what happened? He believed the word only. And he said, go your way. And by this man turning and going, the man showed that he had faith in what Jesus said. If the man continued to pray, if continued to plead, continued to ask Jesus to do this thing for him, would the man have believed what Jesus said? No, the man would not have acted upon the words of Jesus in faith. And a lot of times people, they just keep praying and they keep asking and they keep pleading and they keep begging. And they keep, and you know, there comes a time where you got to stop praying about something. There comes a time where you believe you received it. You believe the word of God. You believe you got it. And you stop praying. So what am I saying? I'm saying praying isn't always a very spiritual thing. Sometimes it's a demonstration of doubt and unbelief when you keep praying about the same thing. Now, you can go talk to God about it. You, you know, you can be very honest with God. Tell him where, you, where you're at in this situation and where you need help. Lord, strengthen me in this. I feel a little, a little, feel a little weak here in my faith. I need a little, I need a little help here. And then, and then don't just stand there. Open up your Bible. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. Get over there in the Word of God. And let God strengthen your, strengthen your faith. But if you keep asking and asking for something, then did you ever really believe you received it? Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is not talk about it anymore. He just seems so insensitive. He doesn't even talk about it. Maybe it's because he's in faith about it. Maybe he's actually being spiritual. But see, people are looking for some kind of demonstration of human agony and compassion. And if you're not begging and whining, and, and I, you know, I, I remember when the World Trade Centers were hit by the terrorists on September 11th. And again, I'm not a news guy, especially at that time of the day, but I just felt led by the Spirit of God. Turn on, there it was. It just happened. The Lord had led me in there. I was watching. I said, honey, this is what's happening. And so I'm thinking, all right, I got to get faith. There's people are burning to death in there. And I'm like, I have nothing. I have nothing. And I, I stayed there. I stayed sensitive. I prayed just in tongues and things like that. But there was nothing specifically to pray about. And I said, you know what? This thing's already been prayed out. This thing's already been prayed out. And then you find out stories later of churches that were in the area and things and people and how people had been praying and they had a burden and they were praying through and then they got the victory and they started laughing and things in prayer and, and they didn't know what they had the victory about but they had gotten the victory and then when this happened they said that's what it was. That was the burden we had. And so God had already moved on people ahead of what happened because he's the God who sees ahead. And provides, and so he had already provided prayer support and had people faithfully praying and things. This was already taken care of. And sometimes it's just like that. You come up to things and it's like there isn't anything to pray about. But then you see, the, the, the natural man says, You got you, you have to do so. You I don't have to do anything. I have to yield to the Holy Spirit. I have to follow God. Right? I have to follow God. So sometimes not praying about something, not talking about not going over and over the same thing or 
Sometimes just acting like it's done is the nicest thing you could do for somebody. Even at low, it looks like you're as cold as ice. And you might get flack for it. You might get flack for what, for your faith. But that's okay. The Lord knows. Can you say amen? amen. Are you following me? Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God forever. So, again, verse 50. Jesus said to him, go your way. Your son lives. The man believed the word. There's a beautiful Beautiful, a beautiful statement. The man believed the word. Say he believed the word. That Jesus spoke to him and went his way. He acted upon what Jesus said and he went his way. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Your son lives. Then he inquired of them the hour when he had gotten better. And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. Right there on the spot, the fever left. Hallelujah. Now, this man wasn't asking that because he doubted, because the man had faith. He believed. They already told us he had faith. They already told us he believed the word that Jesus spoke to him. So he's not saying, what time did this happen? No, 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 no. You know, he's just, he's just gathering ammo to be able to testify. To be able to tell people, I'm telling you, man, that's exactly when Jesus said he lives. That was at the exact same time. See, he, he's building his case to testify concerning Jesus. Have you ever done that before? You should be able to relate to that. Verse 50, so the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, your son lives. And he himself believed and his whole household, sounds like he testified. Sounds like he told the whole truth. Told him everything that happened. Praise God. And his faith spread throughout his whole house. You know the best thing you can do for your household is bring faith into it. Not be the disciplinarian. Not be the, you know, having to try to do everything right. Faith. Bring faith into the place. That's the best thing you could do for your house. I'm just worried to death about my kids. That's the worst thing you could do for your kids. Worst thing you can do if you get I just can't stand it. I just can't stand it. It just eats me up what's happening to them. I just don't want anything bad to happen to them. You're setting them up for trouble. And yet, you know what? In the world, people will pat you on the back. You pat yourself on the back. I am so worried about that's That's love. My love just worries about my kids. And your love is tripping your kids up, messing them up. Because what would faith do? Faith wouldn't worry about a thing. Faith would take it to God and leave it there. Whoo, hallelujah. God's got my kids. Why did you hear what your kid was caught doing? Praise God, my kid loves God. My kid loves God. They serve Jesus. They're following God. You know, Charles Capps, he was a great man of faith, and he, he taught a lot about faith and confession, you know, how important it is to speak right. His daughter, Beverly, was a... She was a rebel without a cause. She was a wild, she was a wild woman. She was, she was running around and doing her thing. Didn't want anything to do with God. Raised in the church, but didn't want anything to do with God and so forth. And people would ask, so how, how's Beverly? How's the kids doing? And he'd say, oh, just in church serving God. In church serving God. Just loving God. <laughs> and she testified. 
That's what he would always say about, about her. That she, was just, she just loves God. And she's just serving God in the church. Well, next thing you know, you know, that's exactly what she was doing. Serving God in the church. I actually worked for her and her husband for a couple of years as their youth pastor of their church. But that, that was the testimony, you know. But that, that was his faith. That was his faith. Talking about his daughter. You see, he wasn't worried about her. Being worried about people is not helping people. It's getting in the way of God helping people. That's all it's doing. So let's stop that. Turn to somebody and say, knock it off. Hallelujah. Let's get in faith. Praise God. Let's cast our cares on the Lord. Can you say amen? But you see what I'm saying? Thank God. This woman, she came. She had faith in that anointing. If I can just get into Jesus' presence, if I can make contact with that anointing, I'd be healed. This other man came standing there to Jesus. said, Jesus, if you'll just come down, my child will get healed. Jesus looked at him and said, no, 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 no. That's not the way we're going to do this. Your son lives and just gives him a word. Just gives him a word. So he says, man, that is cruel. It was the best thing for the man. Look what it did. It brought something out. It perfected this man's faith. And look how quickly his faith was perfected. How long did it take to perfect this man's faith? Like I said, he was kind of halfway there, right? He was halfway there, but he wasn't fully there. There was a lot lacking in his faith. But Jesus, in just a short moment, perfected what was lacking in that man's faith. Brought him to another whole level. Oh, hallelujah. I'm telling you, spiritual growth and things can happen quickly. We don't have, it doesn't have to be this long, drawn-out process. Things can happen very, very quickly with God. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Praise God. Stand up on your feet. Let's thank Him. That concludes this message. For more information about Life of Faith Bible Church or Stephen Fraser Ministries, go to our website at lofbc.org. While you're there, be sure to check out the many other teaching series and books by Stephen Fraser. That website again is lofbc.org. And you can always call 888-542-2555. We trust today's message has encouraged your faith and strengthened your spirit to live the victorious life. And until next time, remember, we always triumph and we always win.